Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is Google Cloud Supply Chain with my friend Paula Natoli. How's it going, Paula? All is good, Joe. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Who knew Google was part of the supply chain? I guess we should have assumed so. But when we were talking offline, you you, you educated me and now you can educate my audience. So, but before we do that, Paula, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Sure. So first off, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you so much for the invitation. My name is Paula Natoli and I am part of the industry solutions team here at Google Cloud. Uh, So you can think of us as a collection of folks who aim to take the great technology available in Google Cloud, but make it more purpose built to solve particular industry challenges. So I'm actually located remotely here in the state of Maryland. But of course, as you know, we we all act globally and uh, across many different regions. Yeah, I saw Google just open an office everywhere on Earth now. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. You can find a Google office almost in every every uh, location. Exactly. So, Paula, tell us a little bit more about what, when you said the. What'd you call it? What was the name of your group? Industry what? Industry Solutions. And what are you guys doing for the logistics and supply chain industry? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, as you mentioned, Joe, up front, the, the question of, well, who knew Google Cloud was doing something in the supply chain space? And, you know, my background is I come out of enterprise supply chain software. It's where I've spent my entire career for, you know, 25 years. And as you know, particularly on the solution provider side of the house, it's, it's a small world, right? Everyone kind of knows everyone in this space. Right. As, as I moved over to Google Cloud close to two years ago, I got that question of, well, what are you doing at a cloud company? You know, you're, you're in supply chain, et cetera, right? But if you take a step back and say, well, wait, as supply chain and logistics professionals, what do we need to run the best supply chains? Number one, it starts with data. Yes, exactly. A lot of it. And guess what? Google and Google Cloud knows something about dealing with very large, complex sets of data. So it just actually makes a a ton of sense when you look at what Google and Google Cloud is really good at doing and now put it to a supply chain lens. Yep. Well, I want to get into that in a minute. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And give us some career highlights before you join the mighty Google. Sure, sure. So I grew up in very rural, small town, central Pennsylvania. So very small, you know, tight knit community. And I found my way, unlike uh, many other folks in my area to Penn State University, where a lot of folks continue their education. Yes. So, you know, it's funny as I moved there and identified, well, okay, what do you want to study? I knew I wanted to be in the business space, but I didn't know exactly what discipline. So as you hit that level in your college career, you start to take all the intro courses, you know, intro to finance and marketing and management um, and accounting. And by the way, I very quickly learned accounting was not for me. So that that was an immediate no. But then I hit this supply chain 301 class. 
And I remember sitting in this class and actually just thinking, okay, this makes sense. I get this and I could actually sense a level of passion for it. So sure enough, I continued on and graduated with a supply chain degree from Penn State. But, but Joe, the funny thing is back then, it wasn't even called supply chain. My, my degree was business logistics. And we, for in short term, right, for the, for the college courses was B-Log. So we called ourselves bloggers, which today, of course, has a very different connotation as well. Paul, I've said this before on my podcast. I was in automotive for much of my career. And... I worked in engineering mostly, product development, touch manufacturing. Usually didn't touch to the logistics uh, supply chain side till later in my career. But my joke that automotive is the biggest, baddest supply chain on earth. And I remember getting a call from a recruiter one time, and this is probably 25 years ago. And he said, we're looking for a guy who can help fix our supply chain, blah, blah, blah. And he just kept saying over and over, supply chain. And I was writing it down. And he goes, guy with a supply chain background like yours. And I was like, What? I'm thinking, does he know who he's talking to? I'm not a supply. What is supply chain? And I was like, I know what a supply is. There's supply down the hall, but we didn't use the term and we were in it. And now, I, but we did have all the functions, but I think what's really changed about in the world is automotive would say they're manufacturing companies, yet Apple would call themselves a technology company. Dell would call himself a technology company. And what's interesting is in a lot of ways, you could call automotive a supply chain company right now. You could call any company a supply chain company because that's important. That's so true. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about our group, you know, we, we, we refer to ourselves as supply chain and logistics. And a lot of these words get used interchangeably as how, right. you know, depending upon the connotation and how they've morphed over time and what angle you're talking about. But Joe, I started to separate it out. And rather than talking about industry verticals, I started to call ourselves a vertizontal. So we'll, we'll trademark that, I guess. <laughs> but think about it. We, we look after logistics companies that have grown up ocean, air, rail, trucking, 3PL, et cetera, as a true industry vertical. But then we look at supply chain as a horizontal business discipline, right? an area of specialization that, as you pointed out, touches absolutely every industry. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, the, the world has changed. And I think about this every once in a while, getting back to my automotive roots. I grew up in Dearborn, Michigan, where Ford's at. At one time, Ford famously had this completely vertical supply chain. He didn't call it a supply chain, but it was a vertical integration. He even had his own rubber plants down in South America. He would cut the wood that was used in his cars, everything. And now that would be like, what are you, nuts? Like that we were just the opposite of that. And I also think, you know, going back 50 years ago, pre, pre-NAFTA, pre-working with China, pre-doing any, any of that kind of thing, your supply chain would have been in the Midwest, and maybe a little bit in the South. You didn't need tech, well, if you had technology, you use it, but you needed really good trucking companies to help you move your stuff. Now you need good trucking companies and freight forwarders and drayage guys. I need to know freight guys and purchasing guys on the other side of the world. Uh, I need customs people. The world just, the the needs exploded. That's why I think our, our space is so important now is because the demands upon us were so important. It wasn't just because we got cool new tech. It was because we wanted final mile. We wanted to source in Mexico and in China and India. It's so true. Yep. So t- 
Talk a little about some of the companies you worked at prior to joining the mighty Google. And then why did you join Google and when? So when I came out of college, I started directly into the supply chain space in the enterprise supply chain software. You know, that market was really starting to pick up. And frankly, organizations were heavily recruiting these colleges in the space of supply chain. So I started working with a company called Manugistics back in the day. Some of you who are listening to this podcast are probably familiar if you've been around for some time. And you're familiar, Joe? Well, I think I think I was introduced to you by Don Salvucci Favier, and she worked there with you. And I think Mike Malqueen, who's been on my podcast a few times, he worked there. Like I said, it's a small supply chain space. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did Brad and, Forrester work there too? Absolutely. So you can start rattling off names, and you're going to see a lot oh of. Oh my God, we have a coming out of that Manugistics, uh, the the days of Manu. Yeah. Oh my God, there's a Manugistics mafia now. <laughs> Pretty much, and and we've, we've just now infiltrated across many different organizations. But yeah, so I started there and, you know, kicked into consulting. So I was doing implementation consulting work. And, you know, the funny thing is, Joe, coming out of small town, rural Pennsylvania, the first time I was ever on an airplane, I was 21 going on an implementation. And, and now, you know, quite a different storyline. But yeah, so I think the the idea for me coming out of that space to now be able to travel and see the world and do and talk supply chain was like a fascinating thing to do coming out as a young adult, adult out of college. So, so I did a lot of um, implementation work with Manugistics. And then I... That would have been a big shippers, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Across the board. So it was working with brands. It was working with, like you said, the shippers. It was working with retailers manufacturing, et cetera. So it was really across the board. And I know there's been a big consolidation. Who owns what used to be Manugistics now? Yeah. So like you said, the consolidation occurred. So Manugistics was acquired by JDA Software, who had also acquired I2 Technologies and E3 and Red Prairie, and now is on to Blue Yonder. So you can kind of watch the evolution and the growth within that supply chain space. So when and why did you join Google? What did you see there? So, you know, I think as I started to see the the fluctuations and the growth, particularly think about it as COVID hit, right? So this was, uh, what, in early 2020 and COVID hit and all of these things started to change and the explosion of the need of supply chain really resonated with everybody, particularly all of us who have grown up in the supply chain space. And at that point in time, I was, you know, at the, the area of thinking, wow, there's got to be other ways to, be able to help tackle these growing supply chain needs. And this isn't going to be a blip, right? This isn't a, you know, I, I, I look at it, Joe, and people say pre-COVID, post-COVID, right? I, it's, it's just now an evolution and that evolution is going to continue. So I looked at it as, you know, an opportunity to join um, a very well, no-named uh, company and inject a level of supply chain excellence through a different lens. So, you know, for me, it was a a jump into something a little bit new, a little bit unique, but with an amazing opportunity to to do some good leveraging some technology. Yeah. And we're going to get into this in just a minute when we talk about some of the things that you guys are doing over there. But when I left automotive, it was 08, 09, and I, I got into a logistics company and I was so impressed with what 
technology we had. We didn't create our own. It was off the shelf, a TMS. And I remember 2010, 11, 12, going into shippers, I would just bring my laptop, open that up and say, here's what we're doing. And people were like, oh my God, that is, that is so crazy. How'd you do that? Like, and I, I felt like uh, a tech guru. I, I mean, I was bringing just, just such, such an unbelievable solution to a problem. And then I was there five years at this logistics company. I was the general manager, COO. Titles come easy at small companies. But anyway, when I left, by the time I had left, when I would say, we have this great TMS that's going to help manage your LTL and your truckload shipment. So like, yawn. It was like that five years was like, like that from, from Wonderkin to yawn. I mean, it's, and, and by the way, uh, that technology was just one little silo. And that's what, that's what, that's one of the things I think we're we're still in. We'll get to this because I know you're going to talk about this. The idea that I have a WMS over here in my warehouse, I have a TMS, my shipper might have a TMS and an ERP, but they might not be connected. All that, I know that's what Google is saying, let's connect all of it. <laughs> but but it, it's still very siloed in most companies. And But I, I still, I used to tell my friends when I got into logistics, I said, this, logistics is an industry with a million clerks. You can go there and be a clerk because there's always something to spit out of one system and then de- de- entry into another or get a fax and put it into your system. I mean, that seems so archaic, but it's not that long ago. No, you're you're spot on. And, you know, if you think about it, each individual process or business function did what they needed to do, right? Based upon their KPIs, right? They're, they're, they're tracking KPIs that matter to them within their particular function. And that's when you get a TMS and a WMS, et cetera. And then you start to get into the, the, the prime fact that, you need a connected network and it's not just within your own system, right? Like you said, it's, I'm now going to work with a 3PL or I need to collaborate with my downstream customers. How do we start to connect it all together and think about optimizing supply chains across the board, not just within each individual function. So again, it's a, it's a prime opportunity. Yep. Which brings us, we, we, when we were prepping, uh, we prepped with your, your associate Palmer and we had five areas that we wanted to cover. And I think this brings us perfectly to the first first one. So talk about the first thing that the Google Cloud people can bring to. And by the way, when I say bring it, are you are you guys working with shippers? Or are you working with transportation and logistics companies? Or are you working with the technology providers or all of them? All of the above, uh, Joe. And I think that's what gets exciting is when you think about the technology that Google has, it's applicable to everyone. And that is on the shipper side, it is into, um, like you said, on the carrier side, on the logistics side, it is, you know, frankly, you can even start to extend this into other areas. You know, I was speaking with a, an organization in the media and, and gaming function, right? And you think about supply chains operating into, you know, casino technology. I, it gets really, really exciting as you think outside of some of the core areas that we've all grown up. All right. I have daughters, so they weren't super into games, but little young men really seem to really just get so sucked into them. And I know we've always said, you're wasting your life, you're wasting life. But I do know the military likes some of the things that they've learned with hand-eye coordination. 
yeah, we didn't expect, hey, here's your drone. You're like, oh, I know how to work it. <laughs> I, I came in with a drone. <laughs> no user manuals and certainly not a five-day training course to learn how to use some of the technology. So that's certainly changed and evolved too, yeah. So what is that first thing you want to talk about that the Google cloud supply chain can bring me? Yeah, so this goes back, and this is what excited me about coming to Google is the examples that you were giving earlier of the complexity and the siloed data, you know, we're all, all still struggling with that. So if we can now find a way to bring all of that data together holistically outside of the individual functions that are you know, working to do what they do really well for a particular KPI in a particular functional discipline, this opens up new and bigger and broader connected supply chain opportunities. So how we're approaching it at Google Cloud is we're talking about it through the lens of a supply chain twin, right? And people talk about digital twins all the time. And, you know, many times we think about that into a manufacturing organization, right? The, the, the digital representation of something physical in a manufacturing plant, for example. Well, the view that we have is let's take that same concept and apply it to the physical supply chain network. And that really cuts across, again, think about the amount of data. You have first-party data, and let's use your example of a shipper, right? You have first-party data that a shipper owns, and that data by itself is likely scattered across multiple systems. It's a WMS, it's a TMS, it's, heck, it could be a 60 ERPs, 60 ERPs yeah. right, based upon acquisitions and mergers and stuff like that. You have a forecasting and, and replenishment or distribution system. So all of that inventory information, cost, price, promotions, forecasts, right? You kind of have all of that that is a challenge in and of itself to pull together. Right. But now we layer that in with the fact that that shipper is part of a bigger, broader community. They need to be connected to their suppliers. They need to be connected to their logistics providers. Right. So that's what we call the community segment. And then this third segment, this is where the excitement really starts to flourish is public data. How can we capitalize upon information that can affect our supply chain decisions as supply chain professionals? This could be your news, your weather, your events. It could be your disruptions that are occurring with right. fires or severe snowstorms, right? Geopolitical issues. The fact of the matter is, Joe, no one can humanly by themselves manually figure all that out and turn it into something of action. So that's where technology and data coming together can play a role. Yeah. So, so when we talk about the digital twin, which, but you're calling it the supply chain twin, I like it, yeah. but it's for everything that happens in our regular world, we have a digital representation. And the cool thing about that is as soon as I have my digital world online, now I can start doing some scenario planning. And I think one of the big values of this digital twin idea is that what we found out during COVID was that some of our supply chains were brittle, right? They weren't as resilient as we wanted. And somebody could say, well, who, who was to guess? But if you had a digital twin, you could say, what if there was a severe trucking shortage? What would, what would be our backup plan? What if I couldn't get uh, containers from China for six months? And, and somebody could say, well, yeah, but who would, who would know those? 
it's not that hard once you have a digital twin to do some scenario planning. It reminds me of the, my kids used to play a game called Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh yeah, I, I'm aware of that one. And I was going to say, I, I, I'll, I'll just admit it. I played it like a demon. When they go to bed, I would play till three in the morning and I'd be exhausted at work. But Roller Coaster Tycoon would show you all these different scenarios. And when you spent more on marketing, more people came to your theme park. And when you spent less on marketing, when I put the food stand right next to the roller coaster, people threw up after they got off my roller coaster. <laughs> when I didn't hire maintenance people, my park got complaints from consumers, right? So I think that's the kind of thing that we're looking to do. And by the way, the challenges that we have right now in supply chain, they're horrible, of course. Every supply chain disruption, like we're right now, a baby formula thing, you go, oh my God, how I don't have any babies at home, but God help the people who do. The supply chain performed pretty well during COVID, but we're going to have other shocks to the system. I think we're going to have challenges with China going forward. Who knows what happens in the Ukraine and Russia? These are significant. Who knows if there's a war in Asia with Taiwan and China? You have to start planning these things. And by the way, I'll throw this out there. I heard the other day that Apple and people will complain if, if I'm not telling the truth, but I heard a geopolitical guy say, Apple keeps doubling down on China manufacturing. It's worked so really well so far, but it's not going to continue to work real well going forward is what a lot of people are saying. They don't have the low cost. There's some other potential disruptions there. Wouldn't you want a scenario plan? And by the way, I know digital twins is something Apple actually does. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start making some moves. Anyway. Yeah. And, and Joe, I think to that point, the critical thing when we talk about the scenario planning also is across multiple horizons, right? So it's, it's a matter of even in the short term, do I have contingency plans? If a particular key supplier of mine that is in Asia does get shut down, what do I do? And that's a near term tactical decision and contingency plan. Whereas some of the examples you're giving might be very much more a strategic right. you know, evolution as well. So I think the idea of that scenario planning and what ifing becomes very important across multiple. Yeah. Programs. And you can, I can see also, this is just beginning. I know some companies are doing, but the vast, vast majority of companies are not doing this. It's probably 16, 18 weeks for a whole supply chain from order to cash. And that's what we should be looking at, by the way, guys, it's not Scenario planning from a factory to a DC or factory to a store. That's that's important, but it's not as important as the from order to cash. So I think we've seen with Google and so many other technology companies, it always starts as this kind of small idea. And you're like adding a little bit of value, adding a little value. Then all of a sudden one day you go, this is our new world. This is how we do business now. That That's so true. You kind of get that wake up call, don't you? Yeah. It seems like it's really, it's like your mobile phone where you're like, I had a phone for how many years that it did nothing other than make phone calls. And I remember, I'm going to date myself. I remember getting a text message from a friend and it said, how you doing? And I was like, oh, Chip's phone's called my phone. Hmm. Wonder if he knows. I thought it was his phone calling my phone. And I keep thinking now, like, how do you not do business with by text? How do you how do you how do you have children without text messaging them? <laughs> That's so true, and I think Joe, a key point that that ties into, like you said, you know, my my oldest son is is twenty, and the way that he's going to anticipate operating, you know, in in this business world is going to be different. And oh, to your yeah. 
we're all having to evolve because that group is going to demand it as to, you know, if you're, if you're not going to adjust to that, then, then there's going to be challenges. Yeah, you're not going to be able to work. <laughs> so yep, yep. anyway, let's talk about the second thing. So we talked just about the supply chain twin, or some people would call it the digital twin, which we're absolutely going to love when we get it. What's the second thing that the Google cloud supply chain brings to me? Yeah. So, you know, the other thing, and you actually just started to touch on it, Joe, you talk about maps. Right. And, you know, you guys are good at that. <laughs> we kind of know something about that. Right. We, we're all we're all tied to this in terms of a, a consumer side of the house. I'm, I'm going to assume many of you listening have uh, opened up and used Google Maps to help route yourself from point A to point B or looked up places of interest to do validation of addresses. They don't know where I'm going. They know yeah, where I'm going. I know. Now. <laughs> I know. Well, Think about that in our consumer lives. And uh, it's kind of important in our world of enterprise supply chain and logistics as well. So this is where you start to see the worlds under the the Google and I'll say even broader alphabet umbrella start to collide. And this gets fun. So take now what we know and love in the world of consumer side of the house. Tie that into the power of Google Cloud with optimization technologies. And and now what we've brought to market is cloud fleet routing, which is actually doing that complex routing for a final mile. You know, think of it in terms of the the final mile logistics uh, organizations where you're balancing pickups, deliveries, corresponding windows with driver availability, truck availability, et cetera. And, you know, we're seeing this now at that collision of consumer into the enterprise world being brought uh, out to market. So it's, it's exciting. So now are you guys, you go, let's just say I'm a, I'm a technology provider and I'm helping companies with that final mile. And I might even have even a network associated, a gig economy network. I don't have to create my own maps, which would be impossible for a small company. I can now leverage... Google's map, which is going to be the best on earth, right? That's exactly right. So it's almost like it was, I know when when we're prepping, I call it kind of the building blocks, which is kind of cool because I don't want to have to create something for my every, every new location I get to. I say, I'm serving the Detroit metro area and I have a map. I can't keep, that's an impossible, I couldn't even map my local area. Right. And so that's where, you know, as as these organizations continue to pop up, right, you think of the growth in that type of market as you're talking about, Joe, you focus on the core competency on what you do really well. And Google has all this ready and available. And now it's a matter of applying. Exactly. So, you know, in this example, it's, it's an API, right? It's not an application. It's an API that can be plugged in and that could come into the form of a a delivery service organization that needs to build around it. It could tie into a a retailer who's doing delivery, right? So you start to think about the opportunities of that plug and play type of mode. Yep. By the way, don't want to get too off track, but years ago, I remember reading a book and it was was almost like an ebook. It was very short, but it was called, I think it was called Blur. And it was saying, it was for automotive guys. It would say, could we give cars away? Could I give Paula a car? I could give Paula a car as long as she let me track everywhere she went. And then she also would have to share her demographic information. So if I said, here's Paula, this is her age, this is her income, this is where she lives. And I see she went to Whole Foods. I saw she went to this store, that store, that store. Here's how many miles she drives per week. And, and at some point, I would want to start saying, 
hey, Paula, 25% off on gas at this gas station, and it's on your route. And I can see us getting there very quickly. By the way, no one wants to share their information, their personal information with the government. But if somebody says, hey, we already see it, I think it's one of the progressive will give you that little thing to put in your car diagnostic to see. I can't get that because I speed sometimes. Um, so, but if somebody gave that to you and said, Hey, we're going to give you 25% off a car or 40% or we'll give you a car for free. As long as you let us track where you go. I'm not saying Google wants to get to that, but I'm saying that you can see how commerce is going to start being done with information and also being paid for that information if you want to exchange it for, for goods. Yeah. I think your examples are um, definitely applicable there, Joe. I think it comes down to a level of personalization as to, well, how do you target? And in turn, me as a consumer, right? I want something that's more targeted to me, right? So I might get more apt to allow that. But I think even to your point, like you said, whichever direction that starts to go, how does an organization then capitalize upon the data they're collecting and turn right. it into something of value? And, and that's where the magic happens. That, that's why I want to partner with the data guys. That's Google and gals. <laughs> so what's the next, next thing the mighty Google is doing for us in the supply chain cloud or the cloud supply chain? Yeah. So, you know, maybe let's turn it a little bit into the AI side because we've talked a lot about the data, which makes total sense. But, you know, the other thing that Google and Google Cloud are really good at is AI and ML technologies. So, again, let's take that and apply it into enterprise supply chain and logistics. So we have announced our Vertex AI platform, which, you know, think of it as a a data science platform, even for the non-data science people. But utilizing it as the ability to inject and create models that are going to help us all as supply chain professionals make better decisions. And one applicable area that we've launched this year is around demand forecasting. Now, we talk a lot about the logistics and the movements. Well, frankly, it all starts with the forecast, right? So using our shipper example, we got to figure out what that demand is going to be down to a consumer level, which is then going to drive everything else through the network. So we've taken the Vertex AI platform that, again, is available to anyone on the Google Cloud platform to use. But now we're creating accelerators that help us in the supply chain space. So now we've launched Google Cloud Vertex AI forecasting that actually does that level of demand predictions across any level of your hierarchy or any level of granularity. So, again, it comes in. Right. It can it can tap into other solutions out there or organizations can utilize it to build around. Yep. And it's funny, probably a year or two, few years ago, somebody said AI ML on my podcast. And I said, you have to explain what you mean by AI ML. And, and I felt that was appropriate. I like to keep things to basic as possible because we all come from one place. We're not all technologists. A lot of people are experts in their own little world, which might be over the road or freight forwarding. When we talk about AI and ML, we're talking artificial intelligence, machine learning, which, by the way, we always use AI, ML, but I don't know the difference. <laughs> and and I've read books and I still don't know the difference. <laughs> and but I think if you're tech, uh, if you're a logistics company or a freight tech company, and you maybe came from the TMS space like you did, it doesn't necessarily mean you understand anything about AI or ML. Or even if you did understand it, you wouldn't know where to begin. 
And so you guys can become that partner where you say, hey, I don't have to become AIML experts. I got Google as a partner. That That's spot on. And I think, uh, Joe, you know, I... I look at it as at some point in time, as these technologies evolve, they become a, a little bit more ubiquitous, right? So I look at it and say, well, now there needs to be a way that there is AI for all, right? Not yes, just, yes, I love not that. Just the data scientists who are, you know, off, off in some dark dungeon working in coding, right? The fact of the matter is this technology is becoming a lot more prevalent and easier to use. And that's the way, you know, we think about things at Google as we focus in on on the user. How do we help them gain a level of success in the easiest way possible? Right. And you think back when when Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were messing around with PCs, right? They they were messing around. You had to be a a nerd, a, a computer nerd to have a computer. Because it didn't have all this, didn't have Windows on that computer. It didn't have the Apple operating system. They were not. They were. They were not for the rest of us. It was just for the for the guys who were the uh, brainiacs. Flash forward, we're walking around with supercomputers in our back pocket, and we take it for granted. I think the same thing. You just mentioned it. That AI for all. It's going to be. We're all going to use it in some way, but we don't necessarily have to become the coders. We don't have to become the guys who said, I got a degree from university in artificial intelligence. Right. Exactly. I, I think that is uh, spot on and it's, it's going to continue to evolve just like any other technology. Excellent. Excellent. So what's another thing that I can get from the Google cloud supply chain? Yeah. So if we stick to, let's talk about the AI side of the house, right? Well, now let's look at it in terms of documents, right? And put on your hat if you've uh, applied the times you might have gone through applying for a mortgage, right? You think about oh. uploading. Yeah, <laughs> some of us cringe, right? You cringe during that of uploading all of those documents that um, allow you to be approved for some type of mortgage. Well, there's technology around document AI that takes all of those paper-based documents and turns it into something structured that can be used, okay? And those are things that, that Google Cloud is doing. Well, for all of us in the uh, supply chain logistics space, uh, this becomes quite applicable as well, right? Think about the amount of paper-based documents that we still utilize right. across a supply chain network, whether we're talking invoices, bills of lading, et cetera. So, we're taking that same technology and applying it into the logistics space, which is you know, really going to help accelerate processes. You, you talked about, you know, order to cash, right? You got lots of checkpoints along that way and paper-based product or paper-based right. documents. So taking that same type of technology and applying it into the logistics space opens up a broad range of new opportunities. So when we were prepping, I talked about when I started in this business, there was lots of people would send you a fax and then you would take that information off of that fax and put it into your system. It was just kind of didn't happen every day, but it was something that we had to do. And now I think about when somebody sends me something and I scan it, put it on my computer, it's not really useful information. It's in a PDF. And what I really need it to be is I need that data in my systems becoming part of the solution, which is, you know, dynamic information as opposed to static attachments. Right. Right. And then that's taking it from, like you said, something static into something dynamic and in turn something 
actionable and useful. So let, let's use that example of in the logistics space and let's talk about, you know, a bill of lading. Well, the other thing that we can do at, with the power of Google technology is capitalize upon our enterprise knowledge graph that does a lot of the powering below this and utilize that to also do validations of business names, locations, et cetera. So Joe, to that example, think about how many errors occur in that manual process take it out and apply it. Well, let's use technology to advance that and also decrease. So you're not just advancing it in terms of collapsing the time element, but now you're also greatly growing the accuracy element as well. So you really hit it from both sides. I love it. I love it. One last thing, and we wanted to talk about when we were prepping, we talked a little bit about sustainability. I know you guys are working on a lot of stuff there. And I think it's, if, if I can say this, you, and you'll, you'll you'll expound on this, but I think a lot of us in logistics and supply chain say, yeah, I know it's important. I know it's important, but what am I supposed to do? Right? <laughs> and I think when we talk about over the road transportation, I think we all know we can go after empty miles. Empty miles is bad for business. It's, it drops. If we can make, if we can do a better job of empty miles, it's going to be good for us and our bottom line. But we also know it's good for the environment. I think that's the kind of thing we're still looking at. I won't call it low hanging fruit. It's it's not always easy, but I think the the data that we have is helping us to become more sustainable. But talk a little bit about what Google's up to when it comes to sustainability on the supply chain. Yeah. So so first off, you know, one of the things I think any of us working at Google Cloud is extremely proud of is we're the greenest cloud out there, right? So running on Google Cloud technology already kind of sets a great standard. Wait, explain that. I don't even understand. How are you green? It's just a a computer, right? Yeah, Yeah. But how are all those data centers powered? Right. And that's being done through renewable energy as well. So think about that as even on the backbone of a lot of the technology. So those are the big servers that like the server farms. Exactly. You got to think about all that technology has to be powered from somewhere. Right. And there's a, a big level of energy associated with that. So that becomes a foundational element. But now to your point, let's talk empty miles and let's go back to what I mentioned before about our cloud fleet routing. The idea is I need to keep my cost low, right? And of course, that means I want to drive less miles, et cetera. And we think about it in terms of a cost side. But the other element is the fact that it's also ensuring a more sustainable um, outcome. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks listening can appreciate for, for all of us who have grown up in supply chain, our brains are inherently wired to solve for least cost. We've traditionally been a cost center. And so optimization algorithms, et cetera, all have a target function, typically, you know, solve for least cost. Well, in some situations, the, the least cost option might not lead to the right customer satisfaction, right? We see that in terms of e-commerce delivery. The least cost solution might not be the most sustainable either. So you know, I think technology is evolving for us to think about how do we blend some of these these target strategies? All tra- they're all trade offs, aren't they? Exactly, and I don't think there's ever really that you know de facto standard approach anymore. So it has to be blended. So on the sustainability front, like you said, of course, organizations have big sustainability initiatives, right? Everyone's reporting on it. They have um, goals and objectives. 
But a lot of it also comes down to the fact of, A, how are they collecting the data that they need across their entire network? And B, how are they reporting on it? And C, what are they doing to act on it? Right. And all of that comes down to that first even starting point. So we recently collaborated with the Harris Poll and surveyed 1,500 executives. And this is, you know, VP, C-suite across 16 different markets. And when you look at kind of the, the mindset on sustainability coming out of that, there's a lot of struggles, right? Only 10% of those respondents said that they're even capturing the details across the board. And then even beyond that, really of those 10%, only 12% are actually acting on those measurements. Right. There's so much opportunity here. And in, in, in our view, it you know, even starts with how do you even capture the data necessary to even start to do the tracking and the measurements and then leading into action. So, so we're, we're aiming to help a lot of organizations with that entire initiative. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised the next time I talk to you, you guys have full-blown solutions, but I think we're, we're, we're still early in this journey. And, and what I've always said, I'm, I like to have KPIs. So if you have KPIs for cost per mile or cost per pound, I don't like, you know, I would say only the best metrics grow up to be KPI. So you don't want 20 of them, you want five, four, right? Add one for sustainability. It could be something that you say, we're just going to start tracking one thing. And I, I suggested to a, somebody not too long ago, I think the the government has some sort of program for, I forget what they call it now, smart something. Oh God, I'm forgetting the name of the uh, organization, but it's part of the EPA. And I said, just have all your carriers join that and and what percent uses it right now. And it's just little things to get started because I think that if we just start measuring one thing and it could be empty miles, we're already probably tracking some of that, but we have to start because (laughs) before we hit record, Paul, you said, we don't do it. The government's going to step in and it's going to be more draconian. And that's right. There's going to be regulations, right? There's going to be mandates on certain things. So, you know, like you said, you know, it's a matter of getting ahead of the curve, you know, but Joe, I think the other thing, as you pointed out, you got to start somewhere, right? One of the ways that I view this is that sustainability goals and actions and deliverables, et cetera, are not just the requirement of somebody that has sustainability in their title, right? It's, it's, it's right. incumbent upon all of us, particularly in the supply chain space, to have that as an embedded you know, mindset in, in everything that we do as well. Yeah. It, it reminds me in, in automotive, when I was first there, we didn't have a quality group. And then we got a quality group. And the idea of the quality group was that they were going to make sure we had quality in every vehicle. But it, it, over time, you start realizing, well, wait a sec, we're <laughs> we're asking these guys to, who aren't responsible for the design or the manufacturer to somehow be in charge of the quality. And so to your point, we kind of spread quality across and then quality became more about facilitation and sharing best practices and maybe helping with measurements, but, it, and, and spreading the word, becoming those uh, quality evangelists. And I think we're going to see the same journey with sustainability. Some one person will have sustainability in their title but it won't mean much, right? And then, because they're being probably judged on something else. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to evolve I, I, exactly right. I think it's going to be, you know, you got to start somewhere, 
right? And somebody who knows what's going on and helping to create those initiatives and, and setting standards, et cetera, is important, but it, it will evolve and just uh, fluctuate and push out amongst the masses. Right. And we really don't have a choice. The customers are asking for this, so we have to look for it. Anyway, I'm going to summarize this and I want to get your final thoughts on this, um, Paula, and then, then we'll talk a little bit about who you guys serve. So we're talking with Paula Natoli, the Google Cloud supply chain. So we talked about five areas here. So the first thing is the digital twin, which is everything that's happening in the physical world. You guys called it the supply chain twin. Everything happening in the in the physical world is also in the digital world, and we're able to do scenario planning. So next time we have a, a COVID-type situation, we're even more ready. We did a good job. Nobody starves to death over here. It seemed as if enough food got to my house anyway. Anyway, number two was we talked about cloud fleet routing and the idea that Google's created this API that if somebody wants to create a, a tech platform that needs fleet routing, they don't have to create it themselves. They can partner with one of the biggest, baddest companies on earth, Google. Next, we talked about Vertex AI, which is this data science platform, as you call it, AI for all. So I don't necessarily have to hire a whole bunch of AI guys to use, get the power of AI. I love that. Number four, we talked about this, how, to get, how do I take stuff kind of from the paper world to the digital world? How do I, how do I take stuff, this information that's very static and make it dynamic? And then last but not least, we talked about sustainability and uh, the importance of how are we going to start this journey? Because it really is, it's something that we're being asked for. And I think before long, we're going to be mandated from the government. So Paula, final thoughts on the Google, or I'm sorry, the Google cloud supply chain. Yeah. I, so thanks so much for the, the conversation, Joe, and the recap. You know, I, I think if I were to kind of summarize it all and say, well, what can we all do to help improve, right? We're all looking for continuous improvement in the world of supply chain and logistics. Number one, it's about the data. Finding ways to be able to source data across an extended network and turn it into something of value in action and, and starting somewhere, right? Organizations will still say, hey, I don't have access to X, Y, and Z, or I'm not storing that. Well, we got to get started somewhere, right? It's all going to be data driven. That's number one. Number two is, well, we want to do something with that data, right? We don't want data for the sake of data. So you want to turn it into something of value. And that's where these aspects of AI, ML, and optimization for the masses can start to come in and, and drive effective decision-making and scenario planning. And number three, you know, I, I think our, our world is changing ever so dynamically, right? If we look at consumer trends and, and how those are influenced and changing and um, how the, the extended supply chain network is changing and all of these disruptive forces Things are moving fast. And so we got to think about how we operate in the supply chain space with a level of, of speed and scale to support the amount of data and the complex networks. So, you know, I think looking across those aspects and turning that into a kind of a plan of action is incumbent upon each and every one of us in the supply chain space. Absolutely. I love it. So when we were talking about the title, you we were going to come up, we called it the Google Cloud Supply Chain, but you, your title is actually Google Cloud Supply Chain and Logistics, right? Yes, correct. So I want to bring that up and because I wanted to ask you, 
Who do you guys serve? Who's your sweet spot in the market and what are you helping them achieve? Yeah. So we cut across and serve basically any and all industry, frankly. I get the pleasure of speaking with logistics providers in ocean, air, rail, 3PL, trucking, even down to, you know, as we talked about earlier, the smaller organizations that are popping up everywhere in terms of on-demand delivery, right? You need a technology backbone to enable a lot of that. But but then to the other side, we're talking to the shippers around CPG, automotive, industrial, semiconductor, down into retail, every sub-vertical, into public sector, have that as well, right? We think about the supply chains needed from a governmental perspective and, and in the public space that applies. Healthcare organizations, life sciences organizations, you name it, there's a place and technology for everyone in supply chain with Google Cloud. Yeah. It's funny. Google is omnipresent. It's in my phone, right? So I don't think of this as a Google phone, but it's Android. So that is Google, right? So I use Google online, obviously. I think in a lot of ways, when when I was first introduced to you, I was like, Google Google supply chain. I was thinking, I didn't really know what you guys are doing, but now when we're prepping and when we did this interview, I started thinking it's, your guys are really like a partner and you bring the building blocks of the technology. And I, I think one of the big challenges still in this space, logistics space, third-party logistics, transportation, whatever you want to call it, is that there's so many people who are operators and that's what they do. And they're exceptional at that. They, they might be 45, 50, 60 years old and or 25, 30 years old for that matter, but they're not technologists. And the, the, the solutions that they bring have to be technology-based. That's where the real big advantages are still coming from. So how do I bring those technology solutions when I'm not a technologist short of hiring tons of people who probably aren't readily available? And I think you just talked about it. You get with Google, <laughs> they help. <laughs> yeah, Joe, and I think to that point, you know, our goal is to help formulate a supply chain related technology ecosystem that helps organizations deliver that. So, you know, we're 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 not only serving all of those industries that we talked about, but we're partnering with the supply chain and logistics, you know, SaaS solution providers out there that are running on Google Cloud right. and finding ways to tie the technologies together to make it even better and accelerate time to value for organizations. So, you know, think of us as helping to provide an ecosystem that spans data and technology and other supply chain solution providers. Excellent. Excellent. So before we go, what conferences are you guys going to be at? Where can I bump into Paula Natoli and her friends from Google Cloud Supply Chain and Logistics? Yeah, sure. So we will be at uh, Hanover Messe in in Europe. And then also you can find us at the Gartner Supply Chain Symposium and Expo in Orlando, June 6th through the 8th. So we we look forward to engaging with everybody and uh, and talking some supply chain and logistics. Excellent. Paula, well, thank you so much for coming on and educating us about the Google Cloud Supply Chain. And logistics. I, I really had no idea what you guys were up to, and it sounds really fantastic. No surprise. I mean, when you say Google entered the market, you didn't think they dipped their toe in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We want to go swimming, right? <laughs> they, go, they, they go big everywhere. So 
But thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it and really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.